Everything on par. Be there! Scour the spaceways! Explore vast alien worlds! The tin right here contains the whole rigmarole. I used to smoke about an ounce of hash every day. Good. And it made me go a little bonkers. Maybe. If I occupy his mind with more duties, I can control his space. Hi. Big fat Hi. doobies. Hi. Hi. Oh, hi. What's up, everybody? Today is Thursday, August 4th, 2016. It's episode 184 of the Hotbox. I'm Matt Lee, of course. Hotboxpodcast.com. We got a couple great interviews for you today. First up, you're going to hear from Taylon Lang, Montana patient outreach advocate. Uh, he always likes to keep us up to date on what's going on with the signature gathering efforts for the medical and the rec initiatives, uh, and of course, the one to just repeal medical altogether there. So we'll check in with him and see now that the uh, numbers and signatures have been tallied, numbers have been run. And uh, we'll see where everything stands there. Uh, and then after that, you're going to hear an interview with Abdul Saeed. He's got a new show on Vice called Vice Does America. So check that out. He got to wander around the country and meet and talk to all sorts of interesting people. So uh, yeah, well, uh, should be a good show. Big fat Hi. doobies. Taylor Lang, Montana patient outreach advocate. And just all around great guy, Matt Lee, hotboxpodcast.com. Uh, when last we spoke with Tayland, uh, I was making my way back to Washington and they were in the midst of tallying up numbers. I believe it was actually uh, the day of that they had to have their tallies updated. So we were kind of waiting to see. We know, uh, what was it, I 82 passed and the other one did not. But then the main thing everyone was waiting for is to see whether Steve Zabuaz. Uh, repeal initiative uh, made it. So where are we at with all that, Talon? Okay, well, so basically um, we're very, very excited that uh, Initiative 182, which is the new medical marijuana initiative, passed. Um, it passed handily and uh, qualified in 50 House districts, so half the House districts throughout the state, which shows uh, that there is widespread support for medical access to to uh, medical marijuana here in Montana. Um, Steve Zabawa who personally funded I-176, which would have basically repealed medical marijuana and made medical marijuana illegal in the state of Montana, uh, failed to gather enough signatures to, uh, you know, despite spending $92,000 out of his own pocket, um, he failed to make the initiative. He fell about 4,000 signatures short. So what Mr. Zabala is doing now is... Uh, He's gathered up an army of volunteers. And wait, wait, wait. He's, he's not going quietly into the good night because that's what gentlemen <laughs> do when they fail for the second time in a row? Actually, this is the third time in a row that he's attempted to get this measure on the ballot. And oh, my. Failed. So it, it shows just, you know, what kind of a zealot we're dealing with here. Um, so he's now uh, pouring through the signatures. The Secretary of State estimated that there could be about 160 signatures that could be valid out of all of the signatures that they uh, that they uh, declined. Is that just and, their error bar? Like, is there always a plus or minus of 100 or something? And if it comes down to being that close, they'll recount? Or how does that work? Yes, yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty much what it is. Okay. So he's gone through about uh, 8,000 signatures that were rejected and <laughs> says that he has about found about 2,000 signatures out of the 8,000 that uh, need to be reviewed and should be valid. Wow. Um, that still leaves him about 2,000 signatures shy of what he needs. Um, he has also made claims that there are about 2,600 signatures that have been lost or are unaccounted for. So he's making a stink about that as well. But that's the um, whole point of having a signature gathering thing like this is like it's up to you to follow through with turning them in. If you lost some, that's, I mean, we could just as easily say, oh, yeah, well, we lost 50,000 of them. Like, so what? It's neither here nor there. His claim is that these are signatures that have been turned in in flatbed that were lost by either the elections office or the secretary oh, of state. Oh, putting it on the he state, has, right. He's absolved himself from any responsibility. Well, of now, course, he's perfect. 
Exactly, exactly. You know, and so it's it's this kind of behavior that we're seeing from sort of continued behavior that we're seeing from Steve Zabawa that is, you know, making it very, very obvious that he is a one man effort uh, to rid the state of Montana from legal, safe uh, medical access to, to, to marijuana. I think that a lot of the politicians, um, even Republican politicians who have supported him in the past, I believe that they're starting to see the light and they're starting to um, deal with Zavala as a toxic relationship. They got a distance from realizing that, that the people here at the state of Montana fully support medical access to marijuana. And Zavala, with his corrupting influence of money, um, it, it's going to start to look really bad if these politicians continue to do his bidding in, in flying in the face of what the people want. Well, they didn't... Them in their political careers. Well, yeah, but they didn't think that the first couple times when they tried to get rid of this in the face of the people having had voted for it already? Well, you know, here's the thing about uh, our politicians is that you know, when you when you flash a lot of money in their face, mm -hmm. they're eager to support what it is you desire. So, um, you know, they've taken his money for so long that they are, you know, obliged to do his bidding. Right. However, now it's becoming blatantly obvious that the people of the state of Montana uh, want legal, you know, access to marijuana here. And so if they continue to take his money and do his bidding, um, it, it looks like they will run the risk of being voted out of office. And they would rather stay in office than take his money and do his bidding. That's, that's interesting. The first time we saw it as it was framed as this isn't what Montanans voted for, right? So he was out there with Safe Community Safe Kids trying to tell everyone that, you know, medical marijuana is great, medical cannabis is fine, but the way this is, this isn't what we all voted for. And so right. that all happened. And now the second time he's doing it based on just we're getting rid of illegal drugs in Montana. Like all those illegal drugs, the ones you hate and are afraid of, we're getting rid of them. So sign our petition and that well, failed that, that, remember that this is the third time all right I, yeah yeah on the ballot so you know so so his narrative has changed each and every time he's attempted to present this to the people of the state of montana um you know and the narrative in the legislature as well has changed however at this point now we're seeing even conservative republicans who you know, their constituents are telling them, listen, stop listening to Steve Zabala. Stop doing his bidding. He is a one-man war against patients' access to legal medical marijuana here in the state of Montana, and it needs to stop, you know? And if you will continue to do his bidding, then we are going to vote you out of office. <laughs> yep. Has Ryan Zinke seen the light yet, or is he still employing Zabawa's service on his uh, medical committee board? As it stands today, uh, Steve Zabawa still sits on Ryan Zinke's medical advisory board. Um, we are hoping that that will change. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of people that are seeing the light now and, and understanding and realizing, like I said, just what a zealot Zabawa is and that he will never, ever stop. You know, which tells me that he either, once again, he either has some kind of financial interest that he's protecting or he is uh, an unhinged crazy man who is willing to send himself into bankruptcy in order to fight. And that's what I'm kind of curious. Like, where do you go from there? Like, you've you've lost. You're obviously as this this individual. Like, you're a little unstable. And you know, three times the the fourth time, you're gonna try just something crazy and outrageous, or. I'm I'm curious what we're going to have to go up against the next time around, you know? Well, you know, I would imagine that Steve Zabala is not going to go quietly into the dark night. Nope. <laughs> I, believe that, uh, I believe that we will see in the midterm elections another effort um, by him and his group. I believe that he'll even be more well-organized. Um, he very well may even attempt to hire a professional signature-gathering um uh, corporation here in Montana. Um, I, I, I would really expect to see 
and try and do something with some legislators in the 2017 session. Uh, however, like I said, I, I, I think that the politicians are starting to get wise to this game that, that Zavala is playing and, and realize that, you know, a re having a continued relationship with Steve Zavala is going to be toxic to their political careers. And that's our duty as voters in the state of Montana and really in any state that we live that we're voting in is to make sure that kind of stuff doesn't happen. And when it does, to be a loud enough voice that sends the message to the people in office that, hey, if you continue with this or down this path, like this is your last year. This is it. You're done. You know, I don't know what the, the latest figures are nationally, but I believe that support for medical marijuana nationwide is somewhere in the measure of 80, 85 percent. Oh, it's or something, huge. Something ridiculously high like that. Okay, so for, for, for people and politicians, it's no longer a risky position for them to take. Right, um, right. You know, the, the, the Democrats in their most recent party platform have decided to put a plank in there that provides a, uh, a, a reasonable path to legalization. You know, um, it's unfortunate the Republicans didn't follow suit. Um, they, they have a party platform to, you know, completely uh, keep it illegal. And, and you know, uh, things were said in their, in their convention that all of the recent shootings that have happened have all been you know, been by young men who are high on marijuana. And wow. they're really, you know, they're so far out of it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's... The Republican is completely out of touch. That's unfortunate. But nationwide, we're looking at widespread support for this. You know, it's no longer a fringy, dangerous kind of thing for a politician to support. And uh, I, I believe that, you know, as time goes by, we're going to see that this, this drug war has been a complete and abject failure. We've spent far too much money on it. We've incarcerated far too many of our people. And it's actually been the war on drugs has been more of a blight on our society than drugs ever could have been. It has. It's done far more damage, not even in just, you know, thinking about it in terms of society's negative parts and putting people in jail, removing people from the employment pool, like the substances that they are keeping from people, I feel like are very necessary for further evolution, enlightenment, whatever you want to call it, your spirituality. Like these are plant medicines and they've been around since we have, like they've evolved with us in a way. And like what we're seeing in our government is a classic case of people that just haven't experienced it. And this is what they do when left to their own devices and given ultimate power. Well, you know, the prohibition of alcohol did not work in the 30s. All it gave us was gangsters. We should have learned our lesson then, and we obviously didn't. Um, right now, in the United States, the most dangerous thing about marijuana is getting caught with it in a, in a, in a jurisdiction that is yeah. illegal. That is the most dangerous thing about marijuana. It's not the plant itself. It's not the effects that it has. It's not anything. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a safe, non-toxic, therapeutic earth. The most dangerous thing that you could possibly have is it in your pocket in a place where it's illegal. And that makes the most dangerous thing that we come into contact in our day-to-day -day lives basically the system. Because once you're in that system, like it, it's, a, it's almost impossible to get out of completely and get your life back together. Absolutely, absolutely. And these are all man-made problems. Like, you you made these problems by making these laws or allowing these laws to be made when they were unfounded. Some guy wanted to keep his job and hated Mexicans and every Like, it, this is so ridiculous, but it's still something we have to, like, continue to deal with and, and the, the fallout from it, like, every day. And it's individuals who are either... Uh, grossly misinformed or who are willfully ignorant. Right, and have like an agenda. And have an agenda and have the monetary funds to be able to further their, their selfish interests. You know, it was interesting because Steve Zabala, was collecting signatures for this effort, uh, was telling people, you know, he, he, was, he had to lie to people in order to be able to get signatures first off. Right. He was telling people, oh, sign this petition, it'll keep methamphetamine and heroin out of Montana. 
Well, you know, the thing that's funny about that is that his initiative dealt directly with only Schedule One drugs. Methamphetamine is a Schedule Two drug. According to the federal government, it's less harmful for you than marijuana. <laughs> so, you know, his, his, his law would have done nothing to prevent methamphetamine here in the state of Montana. Um, it, it's just, it really goes to show that he has an agenda and it's directly related to marijuana and he's a zealot and he's never going to stop. It also is a good example of people just basically reading the headline, in essence, just believing this this quick blurb about what this is doing and not looking into it for themselves. Each and every individual that signed his petition should be so ashamed of themselves right now, hanging heads in shame because of what you did. And just you're, we're lucky that it didn't get on the ballot or we'd have two two more battles to fight. But just just to do something like that that has such a, a power to change and not be informed on it like that that just it's gross. Well, you know the thing for me is that I, I really understand the the will and the intention of the people that signed his petition may be good. You know, um, there are a number of people throughout the state here, and especially in areas that are hit by methamphetamine, yep. heroin, nicotine. You know, the devastation that those drugs can bring to a community. And um, so, you know, their intentions and, and, and a lot of the drug war laws had good intentions. However, the unintended consequences of those laws um, are what we're dealing with now, the fallout. This is not a criminal issue. It shouldn't be dealt with as a criminal issue. This is a public health and safety issue. So right. if we deal with it as a public health issue, it's a much healthier way for us as a society to to eliminate this this kind of blight on 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 our society. Yeah, I noticed too. There was a, a couple articles circulating that the price of cards had gone down uh, from they were seventy five dollars, oh. I believe, and they went down to five dollars. Well, um, I think that a big part of that is that the the. Um, the office that deals with the card is issuing the cards, the Department of Health and Human Services, understood and realized that people were going to have to be either relinquishing their cards because everybody was sent out um, a little form that said, basically, your provider is no longer going to be your provider as of August 31st unless they specifically choose you. So you now have to either pay write yourself down as your own provider and provide the address at which you're going to be growing your medical cannabis. Now, if you live in a rental and your landlord is not savvy to that, then you unfortunately have to relinquish your card and you can no longer have a medical card here in Montana. Um, so there were landlord permission forms and all these types of things uh, that went out to every patient in the state. So I think that a number of people are going to be just relinquishing their cards um, because they either A, aren't going to be able to get a landlord permission form, or they just don't have the ability to be able to do it themselves. Um, and so now, you know, the providers of the state have had to choose their two sickest patients. If they have their card themselves, then they can only grow for two people. If they do not have their card, then they can grow for three. So basically, you know, at this point, and this is only a very temporary thing, uh, when people vote the new law in, which I'm confident they will in November, the important port provisions of that law go into effect the day after the election. So November the 9th, the three-patient law rule is gone. The uh, 25 patients per doctor rule is gone. All of that is gone. And uh, then they'll, they'll add PTSD to the list of conditions that your card work. And we'll see things go back to normal. But for about two months, patient legal patient access is going to be cut completely. Wow. That's, that's insane that, like, I, I just... It, there's so much money and resources and time being spent on undoing nonsense where it could be like you were saying there are giant meth and heroin and even synthetic like bath salts and freaking k2 like synthetic weed it's not even weed. i shouldn't even call it that it's it's synthetic 
herbs or something. But like there are those things are like you said, they're wreaking havoc in these little towns and even bigger towns. Now we're starting to see and like you could you could make a huge dent in something like that with a hundred thousand dollars rather than sit here and try and just like pet your ego in a weird show of power like i eh, it, it, it's just it's completely crazy to me so where it's a, where so you know and then that you bring up a very very good point i mean think of all the good that mr zabawa could have done with that hundred thousand dollars for the people of the state of montana rather than attempting to take away a medicine that the people of the state of Montana support for its citizens, you know? So, you know, it, it really, Steve Savala should take a real good, long, hard look within himself and, 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 and make a decision of, you know what? Am I doing this for all of the right reasons? Is my ego so big that I can't admit when I'm wrong, you know? Um, and and he, should, he should really end his uh, one-man war against medical marijuana here in Montana. Otherwise, he's going to keep fighting it till the dealership's up for sale. And then after that, like, I don't know where else you're going to get money from, man. It's all drying up. Yeah, exactly. Well, like I said, he, he may be such a zealot that he's willing to spend himself into bankruptcy yeah. fighting a loop battle. We'll yeah. know if, if that dealership will we'll be the first to know on uh, the Facebook groups that we're both in because those people are on it. Like anytime there, it was very interesting to watch the, the gathering process because uh, anytime he would be out somewhere like it was in the group and people were like, hey, we need to go here because he's here and like dispatching people to go take care it, it was cool to watch like i i definitely appreciated everyone's passion and, and getting it on the ballot so that was basically the first the first battle i guess uh now we have to continue educating and make sure that people are registered and go to vote on this in november well you know the other thing the other portion of this is that we need people right now today to donate to the MTCIA. Um, the MTCIA has been single-handedly fighting this battle uh, over the last, you know, five or more years. And um, it's, it's important right now for us to get a good educational campaign out to the voters because I'm guaranteeing you that Steve Zavala is going to put together a negative ad campaign against I-182. We need to have something in an ad campaign, something that is going to educate voters and that's going to, uh, to drive the success of I-182. Because, I, like I said, I can guarantee you that Zavala is going to have something that does the opposite. So right now, people can go and donate to the MTCIA. They can do it on the MTCIA's website. Um, and that's, MT- and, you know, anything, that's MTCIA.org, right? That's correct. And they can give anything that they choose. Um, as, as a matter of fact, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of uh, upsetting at this point. Only about 10% of the providers here in the state of Montana have donated to the MTCIA. And I don't know if that's because, you know, they've been worn down, they're unsure, they you know, a whole myriad of, of excuses or reasons why they haven't donated or aren't donating. But it's really an unfair burden to the people who are donating right now right. for those providers that are donating right now to carry all of the weight of this. Um, if you're in business, if you're a provider, even if you're a patient and you receive benefit from this, you should be donating to the MTCIA. Donate yeah. anything. Donate five dollars, ten dollars, a dollar, whatever you can. Every little bit helps because we are waging a war right now, and the battle is not over. Politics so, is expensive for sure. It, it really, truly is. And in all, in all honesty, I think some of that hesitancy comes from. I mean, the MTCIA has been around since I can remember. That's how I met everyone. Was going to those early meetings when they were first getting started. Um, and so all of that happened, and then there there was some, like, rocky patches, and I think they did lose – some people lost a little faith in them. But what matters now is that they are the ones that put the money to get this on the ballot, and now they will continue to be the ones that are the voice in Montana. So like it or not, you got to put that ego aside as well. And I, I see this a lot in the groups, which is why I want to mention it, like – 
a lot of the infighting. We have to focus now. Like that's that's done. It's over. You know, like we have right. to now focus and move forward and move forward together. Not picking these these petty little bickery back and forth battles. Like we need to be one voice here and and get this done. And at this point today, as it stands, the MTCIA is the sole entity that is waging legal battle. The MTCIA is the sole entity that got I-182 on the ballot. And the MTCIA right now is the sole entity that will make sure that I-182 passes. So we need to support them. We need to support the MTCIA, whether or not you've agreed with things that they've done in the past or anything. Um, everybody needs to be supporting them right now, today, moving forward. Yep, definitely. Well, cool, Talon. I appreciate the update. Is there anything else going on that we want to mention? Anything of note uh, before we let you go? You know, I, I thought that they had maybe legalized marijuana in Idaho with all of the smoke that we had blowing in, but unfortunately, it's just the wildfires that we've been experiencing ah, here all over. The Idaho day. is burning. So. Well, you know, here in, in Hamilton, we've had a huge over 7,000-acre fire, and there's fires that have sprung up all I saw the those pictures you were posting. That It went from, like, this little thing to, like, thousands of acres or something. Yeah, absolutely. I've wow. never seen a fire explode that rapidly. So there's a number of fires that are going on throughout the state. Um, you know, uh, just keep us in your thoughts and, uh, and hope that we get through this fire season um, well. And everybody makes it, uh, you know, send out, send out condolences to all the people who have lost homes and structures um, and uh, hope that hope that this fire season ends. Yeah, definitely. And all the people out there on the lines, we're, we're friends with quite a few here in Washington that do uh, fire watch and, and volunteer fire stuff. And some of the pictures they come back with it. it sometimes looks like what you would imagine hell being if that was a real place and these guys are just Absolutely. like they love that shit they're going out there like yeah we're going to fight this fire and save everything like it's a crazy job <laughs> so definitely thank you to all the firefighters out there helping out with that um cool Taylor. so yeah we'll make sure mtcia.org it's the montana cannabis industry association uh so if you got any extra funds laying around or you haven't donated yet definitely kick them in some cash got to get this thing voted on and passed and then we'll see what steve does next and we can accept donations from people out of state from anywhere you know anybody who feels that they want to contribute to the fight that is going on here in the state of montana feel free to donate any amount that you can definitely and if you want to just donate to the hot box we'll make sure it gets to where it needs to go also but yeah mtcia.org that's the site so definitely check it out get informed and help the cause Taylin, thanks, man. It's awesome having you as always. I appreciate the updates, and uh, I'll thanks. be seeing you soon. Thanks for having me on again. Taylin Lang, Montana patient outreach advocate, giving us a little update on what was going on in Montana, the Battle of the Big Sky as far as signature gathering efforts and, and all that. So thank you again to Taylin. And, of course, again, remember, if you want to help out this cause, regardless of where you live, mtcia.org, that's the site you can donate to. Big fat doobies. Abdul Saeed, you might know him from Vice. He's uh, the weed kit guy when that was going on. And uh, there's a new thing out. It's called Vice Does America. Uh, I watched a couple episodes of it. Pretty, it's it's sadly amusing, which is, I, I don't know if that's what they were going for, but the country, I'm just like, you guys, seriously, you guys. Uh, but yeah, let's uh, let's bring him on here. Abdullah, how you going, man? Hey, what's up, Matt? How's it going? Good, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, definitely. Good to have you. So people probably for our show are most familiar with your work, probably from the Weedy Kit thing. Uh, and then that right. turned into a show of sorts. How'd you get started doing all that? Like, that's a that's a pretty cool job. I see on your YouTube comments, that's like the number one thing. They're like, how do you get that job? Yeah, so um, basically, I've been, uh, you know, a writer, journalist for uh, the past, like, eight to uh, 10 years now, I guess it's been. Um, and, you know, I covered music a lot. I wrote for Noisy, covering electronic music, as well as the Creators Project. They're both uh, Vice channels. And then uh, I started a column called Weedicket uh, that was in 2012. And I wrote that for about two years. I also did the pilot for a web series. Um, and that show uh, was after that pilot hosted by Krishna, who's currently the host of Weedicket. Um, and I came back to Vice to do 
a show called Bong Appetit, which is my current weed show that I do for munchies, and it's all about edibles and different chefs. And then uh, I did a show called Vice Says America, which is currently airing, and that's has a little bit to do with weed as well. But um, you know, just weed is just one issue in that show among many that are in contention right now as we enter the 2016 election. And it's a really weird time for America. And Vice Says America was our exploration of this country at this time. And I was with my co-hosts, Wilbert Cooper and Martina de Alba, who are both here at Vice as well. And yeah, we got in an RV, went across the country and uh, tried to see what the hell was out there. Road trip. So tell tell us, and like I've, I've watched some um, and I'm not sure, like I don't want to give things away and all that. So I'll kind of let you do the uh, explaining, but like, what did you find out there? Was it, it pretty much just what you expected or, I mean, there's little pockets of ignorance in or in or between all of these, you know, nice central hubs of, of good things happening, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, so when, when we started planning this trip out, I mean, you know, we, we looked at a couple different road trips we could do in different parts of the world. And, you know, the idea was why not do it across America? And while we were planning it out, I was like, you know, uh, I'm of Muslim heritage, you know, I'm visibly a brown Muslim dude. My name's Abdullah. And, you know, it's sort of hard to be Muslim in America change, today. Eh? You didn't change your name to that? Like that's yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no, I used to be called sure. something that didn't get me stopped at the airport um, really as much, right? No, but, uh, you know, like, uh, yeah, I've, I've had this name my whole life and only in the last like 10, 15 years has it become a really kind of difficult name to have or a difficult identity to carry, um, you know, as a Muslim person in the U.S. And thinking about like the other perspectives that we wanted to bring on to this show, um, you know, the producers and I brought on Wilbert Cooper, who is like he's, he's been at Vice for a long time and he covers a lot of like black issues. Black Lives Matter has been a big thing for him. And, you know, that was another perspective that we were like, this is controversial in America right now. Like, what's his experience going to be like? And then the third perspective is Martina. She's Spanish and she's an immigrant from Mallorca, Spain. And, you know, that's another point of contention in America today, immigration. So there was like these three really great perspectives, three kind of topical issues that we could explore. And we went across the country. We tried to, you know, our sort of goal from the beginning was to meet people and understand them and befriend them, right? Even if we, in the end, we didn't agree with their politics and they didn't agree with ours. And we hung out with like Clive and Bundy, for example, you know, who's famous for having a standoff against the government. And he's, uh, you know, uh, super like, you know, he said some really racist things against, against black people. And, you know, all around, he's a conservative guy. But then we hung out with people in the porn industry in L.A. as well, who, you know, are all about their First Amendment rights. And, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm all for, you know, people making porn uh, being able to keep making porn, you know what I mean? That's like they're they're sort of uh, you know freedom fighters when it comes to the First Amendment. I mean, imagine if porn just completely went away, like all of this tension that we have now with porn, like it would be exacerbated <laughs> a millionfold. It, I don't want to live on that planet yeah. for sure. Or you know, if you think about it, I think there is you know another side of the argument there that that you know could say that a pornography creates this sort of um, you know fantastical image of what sex should be or what women should be or what men should be. And that can somehow be damaging too. But, you know, that's a sociological argument. I think, you know, when it comes down to it, that though is that's like the least of our worries as far as the (laughs) parasite and advertising, making people do things that the advertisers companies want them to do stuff like that. We should maybe, you know, deal with first, let the porn be the porn, but it does. I agree. People that aren't, uh, let's, I guess, equipped to know that, okay, this is a fantastical portrayal. This is not what you should be looking for in a wife or husband or spouse or whatever you're into. Like, that's what it's there for. It's fantasy. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, people think the earth is 2,000 years old. So, ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. We, so, we met a guy who thought that too. We went to a creationism museum, uh, the Creation Evidence Museum, as they call it. Uh, in Texas. And, you know, the fact that they have the word evidence in the name of it, like the Natural History Museum isn't called like the Evidence of Evolution Museum, because like, they're like, this is just fact, right? So the fact that he's got the Creation Evidence Museum, I mean, you know, you already know what you're going to be in for. And we went in there and sure enough, you know, he had all kinds of like, bullshit artifacts and 
self-cast in plaster that he claimed was real. He had like a giant footprint and he was like, see, human beings used to be like 15 feet tall. And I was like, yeah, you didn't Bro. make that like, you know, in your backyard last week. <laughs> oh, man. What did you, and I mean, I can appreciate that. Like I've gone and just in my own small town in Montana, when I used to live there, we'd always have these protesters about once a month that would protest the uh, abortion clinic. So we went out there and protested them one day and, and like talking to them when you were in that interview, you were holding such And I don't know if you were stoned or what, but I I don't think I could have kept a straight face at some of the things he was throwing at you guys. Like that, I was very impressed. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. And actually, I think by that time in the trip, I had sort of like hit this, uh, you know, this balance where, you know, the interviews had gone really weird. And at, at various times, you know, I would sort of inject some emotion or some subjectivity into it and be, you know, with, with the creationist guy, I was like, you're denying like, you know, like decades centuries of scientific research and you're trying to use science to do it and you know and 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 there was definitely a problem here (laughs) yeah i know right and you know i think by then we we had all sort of learned to balance our expectations right pick your balance yeah yeah exactly some of the people that we were meeting and you know i think by and large we probably met more people who have contrasting opinions uh with ours than than not uh but but still that was you know, I still made a lot of friends, you know, like I, I, I feel like I really connected with some people who probably didn't understand me. And I mean, there was more on more than one occasion. People were like, wow, when they told us a guy named Abdullah was going to show up, we were like, oh, my God, like we better load our rifles, you know, but you seem like one of the good ones. And, and that like, just showed up like in full, like sick rig out and just played it up just to like <laughs> a little more weird. It definitely sick. crossed my mind. Definitely <laughs> crossed my mind. <laughs> what was your favorite spot that you went to? Like if you had to say, or are you more like is your passion or just reporting in general? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, weed is definitely one of my passions. And, you know, I've been a writer and reporter pretty much, you know, my entire adult life. But merging the two things is really, uh, you know, I, I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's that's what's given me that, that job that, you know, people are hollering at me about in the YouTube comments, right? Like, and I think a lot of people also, you know, make the assumption they're like, oh, the dude who like smokes weed for a living, you know, and that's one of the things I do for people sure. Have like, I have no idea. Like our days are spent in front of a computer or a yeah. pad writing while we're smoking. We're not just sitting there yeah. smoking and playing Overwatch or some shit, you know? Yeah, like, exactly. Calls and meetings yeah. and all the other like paperwork and all the nitty gritty stuff. Yeah, like that's right. still a part of it, you know? But, I, but thankfully, yeah, like I do get to work. Not only, you know, it's not all about like smoking weed and getting high, like, you know, for my job. It's like, you know, I'm passionate about the advocacy of cannabis about, um, you know, I'm, I'm really interested in the fact that it's impacted the world in so many ways. And, you know, that it's, I also, you know, I, I always say this to, you know, other weed people that I meet that, you know, this is a unique time for, for you and I, you know, and, and all the weed people out there, because this is the one time, you know, cannabis has been around for millennia and it's been used by human beings for millennia. And this is the only time in history that it's going from illegal to legal. It's only been prohibited for 80 years or so. And we happen to be cannabis enthusiasts who live at this time. So it behooves us to, to indulge, you know, to, to engage in that and to, you know, try to help, um, you know, if cannabis is beneficial to people to bring that benefit to people, you know what I mean? And I, I feel you, that you, like, as far as the historical record aspect of it, like this is something that happened at a time when the internet started to be more of a tool that people used to communicate and everything. And we're, able to take this information and be like, actually, the government's been blowing smoke up your ass this whole time. Here is some actual research. And then, you know, spread that around. And to be able to document that and be like, look, you guys, we were idiots for this long. And now we're starting to change stuff here. And let's not go back to that. You know, let's remember that. Yeah, exactly. And one of the stops on our trip was in Denver, you know, and I'm in Denver a lot. You know, I'm there like a dozen times a year, basically, you know, just shooting or, or reporting um you know and we stopped through there and we hung out with Kayvon Khalidbari who is you know a cannabis entrepreneur in Denver and you know uh you know to me he's like one of the most eloquent guys when it comes to discussing policy and you know and he broke it down for us he was like you know Colorado's kind of a unique place it, you know it's like everyone politicians have been calling Colorado like the experiment right, which is right. you know like it, it's kind of annoying in some ways but at the same time you know like 
Colorado is the perfect balanced environment for that experiment to take place. They had an established medical marijuana program that ran for many years. It was a really well-run one, not like the one in Washington, not like the one in California. They actually had like not a restrictive, but a, a pretty, um, you know, defined disease list. Yeah. And, and, you know, that was where I kind of, you know, I was like, look, it's on our path. We got to stop through there just to show, you know, I wanted to show Will and Martina, like, what weed culture was like, you know, what legal weed culture is like. Right. And a lot of people are blown away when they go to, you know, to a place like, uh, you know, Portland or Seattle or Denver and see that there's this thriving economy. And not only that, but there's a lot of enthusiasm around cannabis. We happen to be there at this time when, you know, it's everyone's excited about it. So that was a really fun thing. It is cool to see, like I moved here from Montana to work in the industry and the industry provided me more pay and benefits, health insurance, like none of this stuff I had at a job that I've had for seven years in Montana. So to see like something like cannabis be able to provide that and not just obviously I'm not the only one that did it. Like there's a ton of people here that it's improved the quality of their life and not just through smoking, but through the jobs and the industry that it creates. And you, oh, yeah. A lot of Absolutely. people move for medicinal purposes if they have kids that have seizures or something. But yeah. Yeah, man. It's, uh, you know, and thankfully there's a place for those people to go now. It's, you know, the, the most interesting thing about the cannabis industry, the legal cannabis industry, is that all this money was going somewhere before. You know, people who wanted weed yeah. were buying weed. And it was, you know, like that money was being earned and spent in the United States. Um, in a lot of cases, the cannabis was coming from within the United States. I'm pretty sure that 90% of the cannabis I've been smoking since high school has come from within the U.S. borders, right? Yeah, so, where you live. Ours, I think, came from Canada, but we were like 60 miles away. So, you know. <laughs> right, right. Okay, yeah, you were up yeah, in Montana. But, yeah, so, you know, to, to see, um, you know, how that's changed. And, and, you know, suddenly this, you know, all, all that money is like above board and, People are like, oh, my God, like a windfall. Like, look at all this money in Colorado. They're charging 25% sales tax on stuff. Right. You know what? When it comes down to it, honestly, I, you know, in a perfect world, I don't think that business incentive or tax incentive would be the reason that these governments are legalizing cannabis. It would be the fact that, you know, we're disproportionately arresting black people for drug charges, you know, particularly um, marijuana possession or consumption, public consumption charges. Or the fact that, you know, even still in Colorado, like the prison population is, uh, you know, disproportionately minority. And, you know, like th those should have been the reasons that we legalize cannabis. But this is the world we live in. I think it says something about humanity. Mm -hmm. And I also think that in a world where more people were smoking weed and doing psychedelics and shit like that, that, you know, justice, social justice would have been the impetus behind it. But you know, you got a chicken or egg, right? Like you, you got to get there somehow. I, I think can't, I, I can't think about it. Like what we're seeing in politics right now is basically the product of underprimed endocannabinoid systems and a group of people that have all this power, but have never been truly enlightened with like a real plant medicine, like some ayahuasca or some ibogaine or DMT mushroom, anything like that. I feel like if those in power had that experience, we would live in a much, much different place. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, in the end, if I have a single goal, it's, you know, and, and this is something actually, you know, we met Mason Tavert when we were out in Colorado as well. You know, our, the wonder boy of weed, man, the guy's like, you know, a legend. He's yeah. the reason that shit is all there. And, you know, he was saying like, I was like, what's the larger goal, right? He was like, everybody get high. Like, the more people in the world are getting high, like, the better, right? And, you know, the more people in the world are consuming cannabis, the better. Because, you know, that's the only hope we have for changing the mentality. Because, like, all the ills that we've, you know, sort of, that we continue to commit in the world against each other and against our environment and things like that. I mean, you know, I think the thinking that cannabis invokes runs counter to a lot of that stuff. And, you know, like, remember all those, there was all those campaigns to, like, Dose Nixon with acid or whatever, like, you know, but like back, back in the that day. That was the like, government doing that to him. I mean, come on. Yeah. We're not I mean, I, good acid on that asshole for real. <laughs> and honestly, I mean, like when I think about it, I'm like, wow, that's the kind of shit. Like, you know, when they say like one moment or one instance can change the world. Like, I think that could have been one of those things, you know, like Nixon, like, you know, at the height, at the peak of an acid trip. 
you know, probably would have changed his perspective and would have changed the way he looks. Imagine the shift in like his campaign and the way he did things like up <laughs> that point, and then from that point forward, like it would be so polarizing. It would be amazing. Yeah, right. It would confuse everybody in like the best way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I also saw a couple of comments I thought were interesting. We've talked about this on the show quite a bit in states where there isn't really medical or there is medical, but maybe uh, the individual has to take a drug test. People are turning to the synthetic bullshit. They call it synthetic weed. I, I don't even like to call it. Give it's it not weed. Yeah. <laughs> it's not weed, man. It's like RCs, if anything, uh, research chems. But um, you see this, and it's a problem that's starting to get out of hand. There's people wandering the streets like zombies uh, in Aberdeen, where I was just at. And I, I feel like that's, that's due to this, and, and it's all because of prohibition. If, if you weren't worried about this drug test or, or being in a state where you're going to go to jail, when you can buy this other bullshit at the gas station. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, people like bad. Oh, yeah, it is. And I think, you know, like, Chemical drugs are an issue. They'll always be an issue. People want to get fucked up. People like getting fucked up. For sure. I think, but you know, like it definitely happens. I mean, like the only time I actually tried synthetic marijuana, I was, um, I was in Kentucky and this, you know, this dude was at like a bar and he was hitting a blunt he passed it to me and I hit it. And I was like, this tastes like shit. And he was like, oh, that's synthetic weed. I'm on probation. (laughs) I was like, what are you on probation for? He was like, marijuana possession so i was like all right so this guy went from consuming like regular herbal weed to consuming spice yeah because you know he he can't pass his drug tests without doing that but you know what that's i think only the smallest newest way that regulations and our our regulatory environment push people towards chemical drugs you look at the pharmaceutical industry and you know they're pretty irresponsible pill Um, epidemic also yeah out of control yeah Yeah, exactly so you know It, there's there's a lot of fronts on which um, you know people are being led to to consume really damaging substances. You know, I personally think alcohol is like a really really damaging substance. You know, for sure. yeah, for sure on, on on all like you know on all levels. And yet, you know, it's something totally liberalized. And in fact, when we look at something that's much safer like cannabis and talk about its uh, you know regulation. We always want to compare it to things. You know, they want to say, "Oh, it's like alcohol regulated like alcohol. Right. Oh, it's like a pharmaceutical regulated like that." Okay, no, it's like tobacco not, regulated like that. Not it's none of those things, right? It's very different from all those things. And like, you know, it, the fact that our language, the language that we speak when it comes to intoxicants or, or drugs, is the language defined by pharmaceuticals, alcohol, and tobacco. I mean, it shows that we need to start from scratch to really have, you know, uh, just regulation surrounding cannabis, um, and it can't be something that's derived from the regulation of these much more dangerous substances. No, you know? Those are regulated because if you take three <coughs> instead of one, you might die. You know, you do that with weed, obviously. Everyone knows it's it's not going to gonna hurt you. Um, I talked to a guy in Colorado that he calls himself the pot scientist, and he said it shouldn't be rescheduled. It should basically be descheduled and either treated like a supplement because it doesn't, the reason for the schedule and all of that is to prevent harm. If substance doesn't produce harm, then there's no sense in it. But um, yeah, I, I always thought that was that was probably one of the better ways I've heard it. Yeah. It's going to be regulated. Do it that way. Because people, I mean, there's a huge supplement market. And the majority of that's BS. Like, we know that. Come on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, the, the descheduling over rescheduling thing is, I, I think it's, it's a really important thing to consider because... You know, uh, when you look at like the wheels of justice turning, you know, a lot of people could say, all right, we should be satisfied with the fact that we have rec legalization at 25% sales tax, or we should be satisfied with the fact that it's on schedule two and not on schedule one. But schedule two is still pretty restrictive when it comes to research. It's still pretty restrictive when it comes to cultivation and distribution. Um, And, you know, it should be removed from the schedule because cannabis is a lot more like garlic or ginseng or ginger than it is like heroin or and MDMA is on Schedule One, which is ridiculous too. It should absolutely not 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 be yeah, on there. Be like I, mean, three. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. And and the very fact that that system, like you know, is so illogical. This the you know the scheduling system in the United States. You know, we shouldn't work cannabis backwards through that system. We should just try to yank it out of it and hopefully, like you know, like put a crack in it because that system is 
is, it is completely ridiculous. We have knowledge and technology now, and we know better. And so all these old systems that are constantly adding to the negativity in society, like all of that shit needs to just go away, get fixed, get reset, something, you know, it's, it's yeah. no purpose anymore. We don't need it. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, now more than ever, we're seeing the flaws in, uh, you know, in the system we've created. And this is a thing, you know, actually that we sort of explored in, in Vice Does America, right? Like America is a really young country, you know, with really young, it's a really young democracy that has really young institutions, right? And the way that they've gotten people to just like abide by these rules and not strive to change them is by pacifying them in like, you know, right. myriad ways. And now, you know, like, like, you know, when we went to Mount Rushmore, I was like, look, like, what other country carves the faces of its presidents from 200 years ago in the side of a mountain? Only the country that needs people to believe in, its, yeah. you know, its national morality like a religion in order to get them to buy into it and, you know, abide by its laws or, you know, adopt its culture and all that shit. So it's like, you know, now we're finally seeing, you know, through this political shit show that's going on ahead of the election that the system doesn't really work you know, great. Right. So it's like, you know, why, why are we working this other, you know, kind of like extraneous injustice backwards through another part of that same broken system? Yeah. You're just playing and feeding it and validating it at that point. You know, exactly. Schedule two is not much better than schedule one. And, you know, it's, we shouldn't, be satisfied we shouldn't settle for schedule two that's what comes down we shouldn't settle and and i do understand the argument that like well at least patients have it and that should be the 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 least right if at the very least people that are sick should have it but for real like it's not gonna hurt the rest of us so i i get why they had to use medical to get a foot in the door for each state it's it's just it's a sleazy game that has to be played with another sleazy game and now we're all scumbags because of it you know yeah yeah i mean you know they say that uh cannabis legalization recreational legalization happened when you know like all the activists put on ties you know, and that's kind of that's kind of what happened. You have to put it in terms of those pricks that rule us yeah. in order to get stuff through. And, you know, that's exactly what people did. And I, you know, like, and, you know, Mason is that guy. Mason wears a tie and a suit. And, you know, he's like he's the guy who's like, you know, at City Hall or whatever, talking to politicians and shit. But in the end, he's a pothead. He's his heart is in the right place. You know, right. it, it'll just bum me out when we get to a time and a place where, you know, the people who are wearing the suits and ties are the traditional ones. They want to make a lot of money, and, you know, because there is a lot of money in cannabis. That's that's what the conversation, that's most of the conversation, unfortunately, is how much money there is in it. The green rush. I don't want to talk about it. You go in greed, man. Uh, I, it kind of reminds me of something the Merry Pranksters would do back in the, the, the 50s when they were traveling on the bus and they, they would somebody would be like, you know, do you always dress like this? And you're like, well, this is one of many tricks. I can dress like a doctor. I could dress like a lawyer. You know, you have all <laughs> tricks that you play when you're in public and all that, your public-facing self. And, yeah, that's what it takes because those are the people that made the laws that we're trying to fight. So if you're not doing that and paying money to lobbyists and everything, then you're not going to get your voice heard. Yeah, I know, man. And that's just the way it works. But, you know, regardless of that, I got to say, and, and this is a thing that I think, you know, stuck out in um, in the show as well and in Vice Does America was that like, you know, but, you know, I, I'm a child of immigrants, right? I'm, I'm first generation American. And this is the only place that all this great shit could happen. So as fucked up as, you know, our, uh, you know, social institutions are, as fucked up as our political institutions are, this is still a pretty fucking awesome place where like, you know, where cannabis could become legal. Right. Granted, we, we are the country responsible for making it illegal in the entire world, but we're trying we're to also, fix it. Don't we're hate trying it. To fix it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you know, there's a, a lot of different mentalities in the U S and, you know, I think, uh, you know, like for example, the folks in Colorado, like, yeah, they, they, they totally have their head in the right place when it comes to why they want to legalize. Right. Um, you know, but, it's this is the only place that shit could happen. This is the only place where, you know, the people could have that much of a voice. You know, a lot of people like to point to Amsterdam and, you know, say like, oh, the first place to legalize. They never legalize. I mean, like, that's something I have to explain to people all the time is that, no, like, the Netherlands never legalized cannabis. They never even came close to it. 
they just wanted that tourist money. So they looked the other way for a little while, you know, and like, that's not the approach, you know, that, that we need. The approach that we need is, you know, on the books and here it's happening here is the first place for it to happen. And we do, we forget that living here because in other countries, there's far worse happening for far less. So we, we do always have to keep in mind that we are lucky as shitty as the scene. Um, where do you stand as far as, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but as, as far as like voting, do you yeah. like, well, I will pick one of your evils and vote for that, or do you mm-hmm. not vote and deal with that? Like, what, what do you do? Yeah, so the, that's that's a fun question, actually, because, like, I, you know, I, I got to say, like, I've, I've been pretty disgusted with this election cycle, and I, I don't watch a ton of TV coverage. I do end up reading the news, like, you know, on the reg, just to see what the latest shit show is. Um, yeah, I'm not, I was into Bernie Sanders, as you might guess. I'm not super into Hillary Clinton for various reasons. But, you know what, I got to say that, like, you know, I do remember a time when I was excited about Hillary Clinton being the first female president. It was before Barack Obama was, like, you know, a, a serious prospect. Um, back in 2008. And, you know, that was a cool time. And at that time, Hillary had done all the fucked up shit that everyone's yelling about her having done, right? Um, You know, like, uh, at at least as far as I'm concerned, like, you know, she was at that time, at that point in time, she had been instrumental in the drug war. You know what I mean? And fuck her for that, right? That's really fucked up thing. But at the same time, I remember being excited about like, oh, this should be the person who should be president, right? Until Obama came through. And then I was like, who the fuck are you? Like, this guy's awesome. And I still I still am a huge Obama fan. Um, You know, I think he's like he's giving clemency to to drug offenders. He's commuting all these sentences. He just did like he did like a record number a couple of days ago, like 200 something inmates with their sentences commuted. Like he's a G like I would vote for him again if I could. Um, I vote in Philadelphia. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll vote for Hillary. I mean, you know, that's like, that's probably what's going to happen. I, you know, even when I say it, it sounds boring, you know, that because like I, I want to yawn when I'm saying you have to, and you'll get ridiculed by your peers if you don't have that sticker or do you, do you no. feel like she's going to, I mean, she's obviously couldn't be better than Trump. I guess they're both like so awful. Yeah. I, no. I have a hard time reconciling that. I think, uh, you know, and, and this is a terrible Thing for them to campaign on but it is you know like they're pushing that whole like lesser of two evils thing and it's true and i do understand that like everyone has a responsibility to try to keep a guy like donald trump out of, of uh, you know of power in the united states so you know like begrudgingly i will vote for hillary clinton because that's the socially responsible thing to do i mean you know and i i would never feel you know judged by my peers or whatever like there's like the tiniest slice of me that wants to vote for Trump just to see what the fuck would happen. Right. To bring the like, apocalypse on a little faster. Yeah. I'm kind of thinking that too, man. Like yeah. just to sit back and have so much dumb, interesting shit to write about. Like you see what <laughs> it's Biff. No, dude. Biff. Yeah. If we thought like weed legalization was a windfall, I mean like Donald Trump becoming president, it'll give us all a lot more to talk about. You know, that's a selfish reason to, you know, to, <laughs> <laughs> to, to want him to be president to vote <laughs> yeah but but the thing is you know i think you know i was talking to uh, one of my coworkers earlier today and he was saying um you know like this is it's it doesn't matter either way and like you know the media wants us to believe that it's a much closer race than it actually is because then we keep watching and right. we're like, oh, you know like you know climax and a beginning and an end and a protagonist it's it's a movie yeah, exactly. Otherwise, we start leaving the stadium in the fourth quarter. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I, I've seen it a million times. I'm an Eagles fan, so I've seen that happen plenty of times. I keep, like, <laughs> coming back to in my head that, like, what if that was their plan time that they put someone so awful out there so that the only other choice would be this other person? And, and like, it's totally unfolding. I know it's silly conspiracy, but I kind of think of that every now and again at some how ridiculous some of his, his antics are yeah man i know what a weird weird time we live in right like, are you playing I, pokemon go <laughs> i am not actually i'm not a huge uh video games dude despite the fact that you know i smoke a lot a lot of weed that's not something that i've ever engaged in actually like i've always been more into like um you know music stuff to me like 
producing music or making music is like playing a video game and having a finished product. But, um, but yeah, no band at one time, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. I was in uh, a band, uh, that's actually on tour right now. It's called the Kaminas. Um, it's like a bunch of Pakistani dudes playing punk music. They're good homies of mine. I used to play drums for that band. Yeah. And, uh, and they're actually going to be in Boulder on the 11th. Uh, I forget the name of the venue, but I'm going to go because I'm going to be in Colorado next week uh, to to shoot more smokables. That's actually another thing that uh, sort of completely randomly happened right, right around like the time that Vice Does America came out is I did like a bunch of short videos for Vice.com about like how to roll a cross joint, how to make a banana pipe, how to make a gravity bond. You're like MacGyver. How, what do I have in my arm's reach and I will make you smoke out of it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the funniest thing to me about that was they all did fairly well. And, you know, everyone was like happy about them. The banana one got like millions and millions of Facebook views. And like literally like I'd spent a year making this TV show, right? And the first time after that show aired, I was at a rest area in New Jersey. It's like driving down to, to Baltimore and a guy stopped me and I was like, Oh shit, this is going to be the first time a guy is like, yo, like vice is America's great. But he, he was holding out his phone and he's got a still of me hitting the banana. And he goes, <laughs> and he goes, are you the guy from this? And I was like, that is my legacy. Like, are you the guy from this? Right. It's like, oh, man. like that's, that was the funniest shit to me, like, ever. And I was like, I shot that in a weekend. You know what I mean? It it's weird me. what goes and what doesn't. Like, things oh, you'll spend, like, your whole life. Where, my, this is my master. No one gives a shit. But you, like, shit out some weird little three-minute thing, and people are like, yeah, oh, my God, he's a genius. Yeah, I know, right? It's, like, the dumbest thing ever. But you know what? Like, I'm going to go make some more of them because, you know, if people are into it, fuck you want to see me smoke out of fruits? I'll smoke out of fruits. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope we can meet up sometime in person and actually have a, a proper uh, smoke session. All that. Yeah, yeah, we got to do that. I, I think I'm going to do like a watermelon bong for one of them. So you got to come by. You got to come by and try that. That's awesome. My friend uh, does wood carving and he uh, made a staff that when you lean at the right angle, it's a pipe, <laughs> but it's all made out of <laughs> <laughs> like for walking around <laughs> festivals and shit but yeah a lot lots of cool shit like that going on uh what's the next upcoming episode that people can catch of your vice right. does america so the next episode of vice does america it's going to be on at 10 p.m next wednesday uh on viceland on the viceland cable channel and it's going to be about a civil war reenactment well there's yeah, I know. Like, shake out. Like, I just described like who the you know who the hosts were, and yes, we went to Alabama and we went through a civil war reenactment, and shit got weird. It's not like you know we showed up and was like you know actually it was totally fine. Nope, it, to- it wasn't totally fine. Weird. Fan, yeah. It, like there was a lot of chaos, and we also uh, visited the Louisiana Bayou. That was my first time in Louisiana. Nice. And, yeah, and we went out on the bayou. We went shrimping on a shrimp boat with some Choctaw Indians, and that was it, that was incredible. And that actually might have been, you know, my favorite spot. Uh, my favorite stop on the the entire trip was you know was Louisiana because it was just like this really serene, beautiful place. And you know, it's representative of a lot of chaos. Obviously, you know, they had the oil spill. It's like you know showing some of the early effects of climate change like it's louisiana is literally sinking into the ocean if you haven't seen it you should probably go see it because it's going to be underwater <laughs> like you know in the next uh, couple decades there was like a regular like uh the hbo vice i think they did something on moldova or somewhere like that it was some little island and they were saying that too like he's like my island is disappearing you guys and people don't believe this yeah you know like you, you hear that all the time saying that like you know um, the U.S. or, you know, all these Western countries are, are, they contribute way more to climate change than a lot of other places, but it's those other places that'll see the effects of it first, right? Oh, for sure. Any Yeah. Isn't that classic America, you know? Yeah. We'll, we'll watch you from our tall mountain until it's too late, and then we'll think about trying to change something, maybe, if we yeah, can. No. Well, seriously, right? America. Well, hey, uh, it's been awesome talking to you, Abdullah. I def- Thanks so much for having me, Matt. I mean, the, the show is great. I definitely uh, enjoy your cannabis-related stuff more, obviously. But yeah. that's really <laughs> a good show. I do, I do like it. It's cool to see 
people traveling around and shaking up people like that. You know, those people that need to get shook up a little bit. And I'm glad trying to. (laughs) Oh, yeah, man. Well, have a great day and uh, we'll catch you soon. Thanks so much. Take care. All right. Abdullah Saeed, a.k.a. T-Kid. Definitely check him out on Vice Does America. And you can find him on Twitter, on Instagram. And, of course, if you want to dip into the archives there on vice.com, you can check out what uh, Weedikit was. Uh, and I guess that ended April 20th of 2015. It looked like the last post was. So, uh, yeah, hope you enjoyed that. And i uh, got a lot more cool interviews coming up for you, so definitely keep checking back, hotboxpodcast.com. Follow me on Instagram. I'm uh, at the jam hole there and Twitter and Facebook and all that fun stuff. Uh, just Google Matt Lee. Uh, we'll catch you soon. Thanks for listening. If you like, you like, this is where, where you need to be. If you like weed, this is where you need to be. Thank you for listening to the Hot Box Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Hot Box Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Hot Box Podcast.